It's episode seven, and things are getting a little spooky. It's almost Halloween, and on today's episode, we chat about mystery men and ghost flights, accidental kidnappings, and effigies to the dead. Grab your witch's brooms, and let's go. And then the train got lost. How does the train get lost when it's on rails? I just want to get out there, in the wild. Well, it was in the itinerary. I mean, adventure, it's calling. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been excellent. Ahoy! Ahoy! And welcome back to the Not So Bon Voyage podcast. I am Jules. I'm Christine. And this is your captain speaking. This is episode seven. I am also your captain. We're co captains. We're co captains. We're co captains. 2019 diversity. Anyone can be a captain. Male, female, any gender. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're jumping into our episodes today because we're just going to just try and whip through them a bit quicker. Yeah. We're testing something new. I'm going to try to ramble less. I'm a bit of a rambler. I'm going to try and ramble less as well. Although I feel like in saying that, we're rambling now. Okay. Well, I guess we should just get to it. Let's get into it. We've got no travel updates. We've been busting ass here in California. We leave for Mexico in a couple of days. Ah! Oh my God, that's so crazy. And we are trying to get a couple of podcast episodes ready for you guys because we know you've been enjoying them. So thank you, Voyagers. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. This is your co-captain speaking. We are going to keep cruising. Cruising altitude. I'm starting today. I've, we've got each have one in the news, and then we are doing a bit of a Halloween themed episode. <gasps> ooh, we, ooh, spooky! Yeah, some spooky type stuff. It is Halloween in like a week, no, four days or something like that. So we mm-hmm. figured, you know, why not just do a Halloween themed episode of the podcast? Why not? Halloween is such a good holiday. Such a good holiday. We're going to be down in Mexico for Day of the Dead. Yes, which we are. is how the uh, I guess it's a bit of a combination between traditional Aztec sort of Mayan indigenous cultural beliefs and also the influence of the Hispanic like Spanish influence. I feel like we should just not worry about the you history know, because we haven't looked it up. As soon as I started, ex- yeah, like, I'm like, let's. Not. I could see you looking at me as soon as I started to like <laughs> pretend to explain what Day of the Dead was. I could see you looking at me, going, "No, no," and I just had to commit to it. We will do some research before we go down there because it's important to we do, do that. We do know a little bit about it, but we're not going to tell the historical significance on this podcast because we're not educated enough on the topic. No, we're not, but we do know some cool stuff about it. So you know, we'll just have to say that for later we'll save it for when we get back and we know much more about it How about that sounds that? like a fantastic idea for now we're going to kick off with our halloween themed episode well my in the news isn't halloween themed but my main story is a bit mysterious and spooky Ooh. okay my in the news is actually very recent it happened on thursday the 24th of october holy moly that was uh two days ago that was two days ago. That was really it's soon. hot off the press. And my story name is, did you organize story names? I actually do have one story name for my main story, but only because that was the name of the article that I got a lot of information from. Oh, fantastically creative. Love it. Plagiarism at its finest. So my story is called, I tell ya, I want a better rate. Oh, okay. Is this from like an Air Italia or something? No, Italian. Italian. Okay. Italian. Okay. Italia. I want a better rate. So the th- story is from Thursday, the 24th of October. It's hot off the press. It comes from one of our favorite spots in the world, Venice, Italy. Mm. Now, we've, we've already talked about a couple of stories about Venice, Italy, because I think maybe I guess because it's a very populated tourist spot, it gets some good stories. But this is the story of a 46-year-old man. It says the newspaper report says he's believed to be from Israel, but other than that, we don't have his name or any other details. He was traveling to Venice and he wanted to exchange some currency. Pretty standard practice, nothing suspicious, nothing notable about this story so far. I'm suspicious already. He goes up to the woman in the exchange booth. I don't know if it's a store or if it's a booth. You know, they sort of change. Shoppy. Shoppy. He goes to exchange $100 into euros and suddenly starts flipping out about the rate he was given. Oh, so this guy been there, done that, man. So this it's guy, crazy this guy gets his exchange rate and is like, nah, fuck this. This is not the right rate. So he starts flipping out. He tries to cancel the exchange with the woman, and then he closes the shutters on the lady <gasps> and stops her from leaving the booth. What the hell? So he's essentially holding her hostage oh, in the no, booth dude. while he's trying to negotiate oh, a better no. rate for himself. The lady is obviously shitting herself. She's stuck Obviously. in there. She's stuck Figuratively, in there. I yeah. hope not literally. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine those small booths have a toilet. I can't imagine. Maybe she had to poo in a bucket. Oh, God. Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> She's stuck in there for half an hour. 
And then she calls the police. So she's stuck in there, but she obviously has her phone. It's 2019. She calls the police to help her. So the police come and they arrest the man and now he's facing kidnapping charges. Oh, my God. Which is funny because when you think of kidnapping, I mean, first of all, obviously, I always think about a a child sleeping. That's my first and foremost. True. Uh, And then you always think about somebody being physically snatched from one area to another. Yeah. But you often, you don't really think about kidnapping is... You'd you think that would be more ho- held hostage. Held hostage. But kidnapping is when I guess you don't let somebody leave or they, they're against their free will of movement or I don't know. Hmm. But basically, this man is being held under suspicion of kidnapping. Wow. That's so crazy. So it's obviously a very, very new story. So I don't have any updates on that as to what is happening. But there's a lot of stories coming out of Venice at the moment. I feel kind of bad for that guy because... We've been in the situation where someone's trying to hustle you with the rate or they take like a commission, like extra commission, and they don't really tell you until the end. And you're like, what the hell, man? And like, I could see somebody just being like, I'm gonna freak out, you know? I'm gonna lose it. I'm gonna lose it. And then now he's convicted or getting charged with kidnapping. So it's a slippery slope out there. It is a slippery slope. And actually, so my travel takeaway from this story is that when you're exchanging money overseas, If the place looks dodgy, it probably is. Now, I don't know whether this place actually looked dodgy, but I feel like you can tell, like when we're in Bali, for instance, currency exchange places are few and far between when it comes to the established shop that's on Google Maps with the proper air-conditioned, there's a guy in there with the proper rates, and then Mm -hmm. you've got the wooden stand that's 100 meters off the beach, and there's just some... 14-year-old kid with a calculator in there. Yeah, going, yeah. Oh, this sounds about right. <laughs> with the pencil behind his ear. Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, what's the exchange rate? Let me check out the stocks. Hey. Yeah, he's also smoking a cigar. <laughs> yeah, and he's 14. I had another little travel takeaway is that a lot of the times the proper currency conversions, they are always going to rip you off and make a commission. But one really handy tip is to – we always travel with the app XE Travel. So we've always used xctravel.com. This is not an ad. <laughs> they, no, hashtag they, not sponsored this is content. This not sponsored, but xctravel has always been my go-to currency conversion site. And they have a very handy app where you can plug it in and you can just do the simple exchange. So you know if you put in 100 bucks, how many euros you should get. And you're never obviously going to get the market rate, mm-hmm. but it's a good indication of you know more or less how much you should get. So yeah, currency conversion, some people not very happy about it. Yeah, that was that's a good travel takeaway. Mm. I like it. Oh, that poor man. I hope he's okay. Well, I mean, I hope the woman's okay too. I hope just everybody's yeah. okay. It's probably just a big misunderstanding. Yeah, I Acc- mean, accidental kidnapping. Yeah, I mean, half he did hold hold a hostage or kidnapped for half an hour. So, but was he like, I'm not going to let you go until you give me my money back? And she's like, No, I'm not going to do it. You know, no that idea. kind of deal. No you know, idea. it happens. Yeah. Been there, done that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Christine's a reg- Christine's a regular kidnapper. She's kidnapping ladies. Well, I mean, you <laughs> that are sounds a, really creepy. You are a kid, and you do like to nap. That you're like the oh original my god, fan. I am a kidnapper. I'm basically a big kid who loves to nap. So guilty as charged. Oh, mm. all right. What's your in the news? <laughs> okay, my in the news. I have this mic thing, this pop filter that's in my way, my in my line of vision. Can I move it? <laughs> you can move it. It's driving me freaking nuts. I can barely see you. It's like, it's everywhere. Okay, just move it. Okay, hold on, guys. No, no, no. Okay, stop. And we're back. Christine's worked out her microphone. I figured it out, you she guys. figured it out. It did take her about a minute, but we're all sorted. We're 30 back on seconds. Track. Eh, 45, we'll split the difference. Okay. Okay, so my in the news story is from late last year. And when I first looked at it, it said December 7th. And I was like, oh, that's this year. But then I was like, that hasn't happened yet. Mm, Christine's so, reading the future news. That was definitely last year. On In December, a couple from England, they have a yearly tradition of celebrating their son's birthday since he passed away in 2014. So the son was only 22 and he died while he was on vacation in Spain after falling off a balcony. Okay, that's really sad. But Yeah, I know. Sorry. Um, which actually sounded really familiar. I feel like I remember hearing about that story. But anyway, this is uh, not that story. So the family's on vacation in Jamaica 
with the man's godmother. And she decides, so they're celebrating his birthday in memoriam, which I think is very nice because he obviously loved to travel. So she asked the hotel staff to hang some balloons and decorations for the son's birthday, right? Do something nice for the parents, like have some festivity. The hotel staff makes... So they put some balloons on the bed. They write out like in flowers, happy birthday. We miss you, Alex. Then they decide to make a dummy of the sun from towels stuffed into clothing. Like Like, they make a full size figure. Replica. A replica, basically. And they put a cake on top of him and they put a beer in his hand. Oh my God, this, I, okay, this I need is, to show you this. It's it's insane. I don't know why they would ever think this was a good idea. Okay. But the parents go to the hotel room and they are shocked to see this thing, this dummy in on the bed. What am I, ty- what am I typing in to find it? You're typing in Jamaica, uh, Jamaica dummy hotel room. D- dummy hotel room. T-U-I, because that was the company. T-U-I. T-U-I. So, obviously, the parents come home and oh, are freaking shocked. Wow. Is that the oh, creepiest thing you've God. ever seen in your life? Okay. So, for anybody listening, we will put this in the show notes. So, you need to go to notsobonvoyage.com to see the episode show notes. We'll put all the links to all the episode, uh, all the things we talk about today in those show notes. But Or you can just type in... Jamaica Dummy Hotel Room, which is exactly what I typed in. And this thing is creepy. So creepy. Can you imagine coming into the room and seeing that thing? Even if your son hadn't passed away, you would. it would be like the most terrifying thing you've ever seen it's in your life. It's extremely terrifying. First of all, can I just commend the staff? Because they've actually done a very good job. I mean, aside from the creepy ass dummy, like no, no, but that's what I'm talking oh, about. Making They've, it, yeah. So if it was a Halloween project, they would have done it ten out of ten. So figure if you've taken a pair of track pants, like sweatpants and a jumper, and even some gloves and shoes, and you just stuff things inside of it. Mm-hmm. Then they have so it's a double bed. He's lying on one side, and he's sort of propped up by a pillow, and he actually looks like a. Like it's somebody there. Yes, it does. I don't know what the face is made out of. It's very scary. It is very scary. <laughs> it's to- it's terrifying. Okay. Well, that is hilariously awkward. Hilariously awkward. So the company that uh, the travel company that organized all the booking and stuff has uh, offered us offered a, an apology. Has made an apology. They have apologized. They've apologized. And they have refunded the full trip to the family for the stress so what that was this the, has caused. What was the family's comments? Uh, the, the mom said, I was absolutely horrified. And as you can imagine, I was sweating and shaking. We, they, She says, we just didn't want our friends to see it. That is bizarre that well, it's, just, okay, it's bizarre so, to think that why the hotel staff would think that would be a good idea let's make a replica dummy out of clothes of this couple's dead son it it to us it seems like a terrible idea i don't know what the relationship of the culture of jamaicans is with that's interesting death, but you know we've traveled in latin american countries where this wouldn't be that crazy it wouldn't be that crazy like they do have effigies they do have dolls um they do like some countries keep the deceased for a long time. I guess this is probably with like with a lot of the Afro-Caribbean cultures in the Caribbean, they have the um, Santa, Santeria? Santeria. The Santeria mm-hmm. culture, which is very – which has its roots. Once again, this is not a history podcast. Anybody it's feel, definitely not a history anybody podcast. Anybody feel free to correct me. But the Santeria has its origins in, in African – um, belief system, kind of like voodoo and and things like that. And then a lot of those beliefs were brought over, obviously, during the times when the Western world was colonizing the Caribbean and the Africans were coming over. And so they mixed the like the original culture with, I guess, whatever was there, Catholicism or whatever else. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. We did see that sort of stuff in – we saw it in Guatemala with the San um, mm-hmm. Mashimo, the statue yep. type thing, the dummy they made out of all and clothes. And they put cigarettes in his mouth yeah. and they give him, you know, alcohol and whatnot. So if you think about it in that context, it's not as crazy. If you come at it from a, 
you know, Western point of view, then yeah. it's sick and creepy and kind of like cruel. Yeah. But if you think about it within their cultural context of Jamaica, it might not be that crazy. Well, I remember reading stories, and I think this was either Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico, which has probably got similar influences. Um, I know they're different countries, guys. Come on, give me some credit. Um, <laughs> but I remember reading a story about a, a boy, like maybe he was like 18 and he died, and at his funeral they just propped him up in a chair. Mm. And people celebrated yeah. and commemorated. But I think that's the difference between a lot of these cultures, how they view death versus how as the Western world. I feel like the Western world is very morbid with how they view death. Mm-hmm. Like We're very solemn. We're very quiet. Everything's black. You know, everybody's remembering and crying. And a lot of other cultures really are about celebrating life. And that is what a lot of Day of the Dead is about. Yes. In Mexico, which we will bring Circle them back. We're going we're circling full back. circle. Circle them back. But not to get off topic, but... Just so you know, I would like you to stuff me and put me in a chair in the corner with a glass of wine in my hand. And then I will always watch you while you sleep. And the Real Housewives on in the background. Real Housewives on in the background. It's funny you say that because someone on the Real Housewives basically just said that they would like to be taxidermied. Okay. Taxidermed? Mm. Okay. Why not? Well, that was a very interesting story. Thank you. I feel sorry for the parents if they were Me upset. Too. But they I were also, clearly upset. But I also, it's interesting that I didn't, I guess my mind, my ethnocentric mind went straight towards the way I thought about it. But I didn't think about the fact that different cultures obviously have different ways of commemorating and... I'm sure they probably just thought they were doing a nice thing. So Absolutely. It's a miscommunication. It's a miscommunication. Oh, it's a massive miscommunication. Just a bit. Which you have when you travel, which is where some of these best stories come from. Exactly. Well, I'm going to jump straight into my main story. And love this it. is not a miscommunication. This is a mystery. Ooh, and I love a good story mystery. Mystery man. It's about a man who's a mystery. Well, pretty much. This is the story, and some of you might be familiar with this story because as I started researching it more, I found that it actually has a fair bit of notoriety, and it's well-known. Is it notarized by a notary public? It's, it's officially notarized. That, that is a hard thing to do. To notarize something? Oh, no. I, I just remember I had uh, another story. Can't you story. just do it at the post office? Oh, I, this is another story. It's it for another time. It's another time. This is the story of Lars Mittank. He is from northern Germany. He's 28 years old. He's a normal guy from all reports. He's got friends. He's got a decent job. He has a girlfriend. He's got a good family. I think he's an only child. I should probably have checked that out. Uh, he's good. He's got a good family. Everything's all good. He's a Werder Brenham football fan. I guess that's a... Don't know what that means. I think it's a German team inside the German football, like soccer league. Ah, so, football, soccer. Soccer, yeah, that old thing. So everything's good. He's just a normal guy. Normal guy. End of story. End of story. <laughs> this is about this man. He's normal. Okay. And the mystery is that he was completely normal, and that is it. <laughs> How does someone get that normal? That's the mystery. <laughs> that is the mystery. He went on a trip. Everything was fine. He came back. And, uh, end of podcast. End of podcast. Thank you for joining. <laughs> uh, no, unfortunately, that is not the case. It's the end of June, June 30th, 2014. So it's five years ago. 28, 28-year-old Lars goes on a holiday with friends to the country of... Bulgaria. Been there, done that. Been there, done that. We've been to Bulgaria. Not a bad place. Probably not my first trip for a hot... When you got all of Europe, you go mm. to Bulgaria. Well, where did they go in Bulgaria? Well, they went over to the coast where everybody goes. Did, they didn't go to Sunny Beach, did they? They didn't go to Sunny Beach. Ugh. They went to a place called... A seaside resort called Golden Sands, which is just north of a big town, Varna, and it's about two hours north of Sunny Beach. Sunny Beach, we went there a couple of years ago with some friends. We took a road trip because we were living in Bulgaria. And Sunny Beach is such trash. I'm so sorry if you live there, but it's just it's a shithole. dirty beach town that has people like from Europe coming and getting wasted and people and, just get so drunk. And let's 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 just first say that we're not judging people who go there because every place has it. Australia, I mean, we went there. We went there, yeah. And we got wasted as well. Australians go to Bali, Americans go to Cancun, mm-hmm. Europeans apparently go to the east coast of Bulgaria to a sunny beach, Ugh. and they get blind in the street and do whippets. It was horrible, you guys. It was the most horrible. Just yeah. don't go there. The men are like all over you. It was really creepy. Yeah. It was not good. It wasn't a great place. 
So anyway, anyway, <laughs> this is the this is the shining endorsement for the place uh, for the coast of Bulgaria. Bulgaria was well. This is I don't want to get too off track. Bulgaria is an interesting place. We we were there for two months living in Plovdiv. It was interesting. Plovdiv is adorable. It's a very cute place. Very um, cute. Our experience there was fine. We didn't have anything. Nothing bad. Nothing bad happened, but it is an interesting place. I guess maybe just that's a bit of a culture shock as you, uh, Eastern European countries anyway. Yeah. Different mindset. Different. Different mindset. So anyway, him and his friends are out there. Everything's good. Having fun. On July 6th, well, not everything's good. On July 6th, <laughs> on July 6th he's out having an all-nighter with his friends. He's having a massive piss-up. He must have got separated from his friends. He ends up in a McDonald's, and he gets in a fight with four other German men about football. So, okay. you know, it's pretty standard practice here. You're a guy, late 20s, blind, at McDonald's. You're probably wearing a, so- a soccer jersey or something like that. So he gets in a fight with these four Bayern Munich fans. And oh, my God. Whatever. So dumb. But so okay. turns out the odds aren't really in his favor, four to one. He gets busted up. Someone whacks him in the face and he gets a busted eardrum. Oof. So his ears, you know, perforated eardrum, whatever it's called. I don't know how bad it was, but he's basically his ear is bad enough that he goes to the doctor and the doctor says that he probably shouldn't fly. So they're, they're supposed to be going home in the next day, but he probably shouldn't fly because of the change of the uh, cabin pressure, pressure and the altitude's not yeah. good for his ear. So the doctor gives him some antibiotics and says... He should. I think he maybe goes to the hospital. He's referred to the hospital. I'm not sure if he went or not, but says you should take these antibiotics. Helps with the ear. He gives him sur surfaroxamine. Of a, a complete absolute guess at okay. how to say that. But he gives him those antibiotics and says take these, finish it, whatever. So the trip's coming to an end, and Lars can't fly home. He he doesn't tell his friends uh, like into the last day that he's had a change of plan. And he's actually staying. So his friends are like. They knew he'd been in the fight. They knew what happened to his ear. And hmm. his friend's like, okay, you know, this is the end of a holiday. We're, we go home now. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, by the way, went to the doctors and the doctor said, eardrums busted, can't fly, going to stay here for a couple of days. So his friends just say, they offer to say, well, we'll stay. And he goes, nah, nah, it's all good. It's all good. Tells them to carry on and they go home. So now Lars is in Bulgaria by himself. He's got a busted ear. He's on antibiotics and he goes to look for a cheap hotel. It's the peak season. All the hotels are expensive. They're booked up. So he finds a place called Hotel Color, and it's cheap. It's near the airport. So he thinks to himself, he'll probably just post up here for a little bit, and then he'll make his way home. At this stage, Lars starts to act a little loopy. And so the hotel staff later report that he starts acting a little bit odd, a little bit offbeat. He gives his mum a call, and he starts acting weird on the phone. He wasn't talking loud. He's sort of whispering, and he starts telling her that he thinks he's being followed. Uh oh! And he tells her to cancel his credit cards. Oh my god! I think I remember a little bit of this story. You probably will, and some of you will recognize this story because it, apparently it was huge, and it does sound familiar when I was researching it. Mm-hmm. But I also didn't know a lot of the details. So he tells her to cancel his credit cards, and he said that he's looking for a place to hide, and then he hangs up. Oh my god! It. Can you imagine as a mother, you would freak the fuck out. It's like Taken. Yeah. It's like it's like when she calls Because you him. don't know if, like, you think probably that's real, you know? Listen up, Lars. You're about to be taken. Hey, I have a special set of skills. <laughs> I will find you. <laughs> anyway, so he calls his mum. So his mum's like, okay, well, what the hell's going on? And so his mum says, I thought, so this is a quote that she said. She said, I thought, God, my son is in danger. I could hear his, ha- his heart pounding over the phone. He said people were trying to rob him or kill him. So, Jesus. And then at this stage, the conversation turns to this drug. That's the why I tried to butcher the pronunciation. You tried to butcher Ceph- the pronunciation? Cephroroxine 500 comes up in the conversation, and it's the, it's the antibiotics that he's on for his ear. He texts his mum and he asks her what they are. He's like, what is any Cephroroxine 500? Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, that's a, like, a little bit weird. She's not really sure what that means. And then that that pretty much is it. The next morning, he wakes up and he calls his mum again. And he said that people were after him and they were close to him and he needs to leave. So he's got to get out of here. He he leaves the hotel. He gets in a cab. He heads to the Varna Airport, which is pretty close. And he texts his mum and he says, just made it to the terminal. Okay. And that's the last she ever heard of him. <gasps> ever? Well, here we go. I think I jumped the gun. I <laughs> 
<laughs> is this the end of the story? <laughs> it's not the end of the story. What's I don't know the- why I just I don't know why I just revealed the spoiler. I got too Do excited. You? I'm like, okay, next. <laughs> no, so he gets it. No, because this is this is the crazy part. You have to keep listening. Don't worry. There's way more. I don't know why I spoiled the ending just then. <laughs> Jules loves to spoil. Oh, endings. I got way too excited. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. You just spoiled that for me. Yeah, it's Rude. statue of limitations with with the ending. So he texts his mum. He says, "I just made it made it to the terminal." Is he still around? We never, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> so I had no idea that Bulgarian medical screening was so thorough, which, you know, <laughs> he goes – so this guy, he goes to the airport and he goes to the airport doctor to get the all clear to fly. Okay. Now, that seems – I don't know. That seems like something that – I don't know. Just what? There's like something that would happen. Bulgaria would be like, eh, don't worry about that it. They, you know? oh, they'd, they'd yeah, like, they'd just whatever. be like, eh, whatever, you know. I don't know. Maybe he's paranoid. Maybe he's worried about flying, so he goes to check it out. So he goes to Dr. Costa Kostov at the of airport. Course. And he has his ear examined. He drops his bag. He sits in a chair, and Kostov looks at his ear. And Kostov notes that he's he looks like Lars is acting paranoid. He's acting nervous and erratic. And the doctor assured him, it's just a routine check. We'll check the ear out. It's all good. So, so Kostov looks at it. He says, he's fine. He's good to fly home. But then Lars starts becoming acting even weirder and he starts becoming very distrusting of the medication he was given. Mm-hmm. And the doctor says, looking back, you know, the whole thing seemed really bizarre. Mm-hmm. Now, I looked up this medication because I was like, well, what, do, you know, is yeah, this- what the a- fuck is this? Yeah, and how do I stay away from it? Yeah, well, I thought, is this medication, you know, has it got any kind of weird side effects or anything? Turns out this cefiroxine 500, it's just normal. It's just a normal mm. antibiotic. According to Wikipedia, which is my trusted source of information. Obviously. It says it's generally well tolerated and its side effects are transient. Standards, like, you know, standard stuff, diarrhea. You know, you may encounter diarrhea or vomiting or dizziness, you know, Mm -hmm. stuff they put on everything. So this medication doesn't have anything linked to any kind of crazy side effects. So he's he's sitting in the chair. Kostov tells him, you know, you're good to fly. And then he starts getting even more erratic. And at this stage, a construction worker enters the room. And I think they were doing... Rec- enters the doctor's room? It, well, into like... The, the- <laughs> is he like, hey, anybody need their pipes cleaned? <laughs> okay, this is awkward. <laughs> well, just saying. Well, he enters like the area that they're in. And okay. There's, Does there's- he have a shirt on? No, and he's got snap-off pants. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course, obviously. And he's got a hard hat and he's like, hey, boys. <laughs> yep. So I love I where the story's going. They're doing some construction on the airport, so I don't know why. It just says a construction worker enters in the room. And Lars, look, uh, he looks at him, he starts to become visibly anxious and says he mutters something under his breath. And Kostov is like, what, what's that? And then he says, I don't want to die here. I have to get out of here. Jesus. He jumps up. It's like a horror movie. Yeah, why not? Well, this is this is where it gets so weird. This is where it gets weird. It's already weird. It's very weird. He jumps up. He exits the room. He legs it out of the airport. So there's airport footage, and they have the footage of it. Next, so the footage is you see him walking into the airport. You see him with bags. You see him going like go out of screen, and then it obviously cuts to whatever the period is where he's in the doctor's office. Next thing you see, no bags, no anything. He's running out of the airport. Mm. He's running, and the security cameras follow him out of the airport, and they they change all the different angles across the parking lot, further across the parking lot, until the very end of the fence, a barbed wire fence. You see him jump the fence. You see him run into, like, the forest and disappear. Into the forest? A forest right next to the airport? Into the forestry and disappear, and that is the last you ever see of him. What the fuck? All right. So I pulled out the video. Yes, please. And you guys are just going to have to, you know, play along at home. And I'll give you a nice thing, uh, like an annotation. So this is Lars. You can check out the in the show notes. So he's got Lars, a yellow shirt and an orange backpack. He's got an orange shirt, backpack. He's got a duffel bag. He's walking in. To the, he looks like a banana. He's walking in. He looks like he talks to somebody. He's probably asking him, oh, where's the doctor's office? Everything's good like that. He walks in to the airport. Everything looks pretty casual. And then he is running. And yeah. he's literally running at full speed through the airport he runs out of the door, kind of on a he's jog jogging. There. He's, he's jogging a, now. It's a jog. But then you see him caught on different cameras at different angles. He's walking across the car park. He starts sort of running again. He's walking. And in the very distance, they've captured him at the end of the airport, climbing over a fence, running off into the green forest. The greenery. The greenery. 
And that is the last footage that has ever been seen of him. That is so weird. And they never found him? So this is five years ago. Um, so he leaves. So he leaves everything behind. He leaves his bag, which has got his wallet, his cell phone, his passport. He literally just left in his banana yellow shirt. Oh, banana on the run. He's never gone. So people are trying to work out what happened to him. They obviously I have go, a hypothesis. They obviously go back and they chat to everybody. So the friends say that the fight was pretty out of character for him. He's a peaceful guy. So that's, you know, fair enough. Maybe he didn't start the fight, whatever. Yeah. Mum thinks that uh, the punch could have given him a concussion and that could have maybe that fucked, was my hypothesis. fucked with his head a little bit. Doctors say, though, it's pretty unlikely that he'd still be acting weird days later. Hmm. But then some suspect, some believe that maybe it might have triggered something inside of him. Oh. So maybe it was maybe the first fight he's ever been in. He got pretty rattled about being beat up. I don't know what it did. Uh, some say it could be the medication uh-huh. that did something with him. Well, turns out that oh, when he do went, we know? turns out when he went to the doctor, the doctor said that he had never even taken the antibiotics. He never got the prescription filled. What? So he'd never actually taken it. So it was nothing. So it's not the medication. It's not the medication, which is just a routine antibiotic. It's just something snapped in his head. Wow. Unless he really was being followed. Oh, my God. That would be the biggest plot twist. That would be. So weeks pass. There's no more information. The family hires a private investigator to investigate. Nothing comes up. There's no hospital hospital admittance. There's no home. Like, they check homeless shelters. They check everything. The kid has no reason to leave. He's got a good family. He's got no reason to disappear. Like, he's not, he hasn't got a dark history or a past. So weird. There are reported sightings. So there's a huge manhunt for him. There are reported sightings, but nothing can be verified. Police are able to... Oh, police are also able to obtain security footage from the Color Hotel mm-hmm. where he was staying before he left. They show him, and the footage shows him pacing up and down in the foyer. Weird. So he's he's looking, you know, like he's all sort of scattered. And he's like, you know, he's looking, he's peering out the window. Weird. And he's doing all this stuff and he's, you know, seeming all anxious. At one stage, he was hiding out in the elevator. Eventually, he leaves the hotel at about 1 a.m. for an hour. No one knows where he went, what he did, but he comes back. He goes up to his room, and then, you know, that's it. The next morning, he leaves for the hotel. So the f- the search goes viral over YouTube and Reddit. Mm-hmm. The video of him leaving the airport and running away captivates people, intrigues them. Like, everybody's thinking, like, where the fuck is this guy? What happened so to him? Like, weird. this is so bizarre. He literally... Just disappeared. People say they saw him in Varna. People say they saw him in Poland. People say they saw him as far as Canada. Someone said that they saw Whoa. him. So they're just like people are sending in pictures of like people that fit his resemblance. You know, people people are just crazy about like theorizing what actually happened to this guy because it's it's kind of crazy. Like he just disappeared. It's so crazy. The police used uh, dogs and drones to search the area. They use. Cadaver dogs, they're called, I think I looked them up, they're corpse. Cadaver. Cadaver? Yeah. What's that? <laughs> a cadaver is a corpse. Oh, and okay. cadaver dogs are dogs that uh, sniff out okay. corpses. I thought it was like a cavador, like a... Oh my God, like a, like ca- a Labrador ca- Cavalier? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, that would be so cute, but I don't think they would do a very good job. Okay. Well, shout out to Sadie, our friends who just got yeah, one. Yeah, so cute. And so, yeah, so, okay, they use those dog, those corpse dogs, Cadaver, what's it called? <laughs> cadaver. Can Cada- you ever listen to true crime podcast? Cadaver. God. They use the cadaver dogs and drones. Can't find him. So it's basically a huge mystery. Um, and then in December 2016, they find a man in Brazil who fits the bill and looks just fits like the him. Bill. Fits the bill and looks just like him. I saw the picture. He actually really does. Uh, they really think it's him, but it doesn't turn out to be him. To this now, to this day, they still have absolutely no idea where Lars is. Crazy, That's isn't that insane? So weird. So the police have speculated everything from he planned his disappearance to he had a drug overdose to he possibly could have been caught up in human trafficking, organ harvi- <gasps> harvesting, like anything. I mean, this guy. Like they've got no idea. I mean, he's out on the street, and I guess they scan the area, and they can't seem to find where he could have possibly How disappeared. How old was he? Twenty-eight. Apparently, okay. he had hunting and camping experience. Okay. So they said that it was possible 
that he could have survived. They did come across a guy. There was a report years later of some tourist who was living on the streets in Bulgaria, and they turned out to be, I think, an English tourist. And mm-hmm. I think he also obviously had some issues and 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 they got hope thinking that, well, you know, this proves that somebody can live for a few years on the streets in Bulgaria. So mm-hmm. they definitely haven't given up hope, but they have no idea. That you is know, freaking crazy. Did he have a complete mental breakdown? Was it related to the hit in the head? You know, he's out there obviously partying. He's probably drinking. I mean, I'm not making assumptions. I'm just saying yeah. he's a young kid going on going to a party place is he taking drugs is he you know lack mm-hmm. of sleep is it a combination of factors along with the hit there's a huge inter- international community outreach about this there's a facebook um a facebook page it's got almost 33,000 likes on it it's wow. very active and the people behind it i think they're his family they're very active and still looking for him good people send in photos of people they think that could be him so somebody will be like Oh, I was in Italy and I saw this guy. Is this him? You know, I was in Sweden. I saw this person. Is this him? And they investigated, and it's all very, it's all there very bizarre. There must be so many people that look like him. Yeah, it's all very bizarre. In July this year, five years after the incident, there's a huge post about this truck driver who saw another truck driver drop off a homeless hitchhiker somewhere in Germany. He also fit the bill. This guy <laughs> is disorientated. He's disheveled. He doesn't remember anything about where he lives. He can't, he's like, I don't know where I live. I don't know if I'm in Germany. The truck driver spotted him and the other truck driver and heard the story, remembers the story of Lars. He reports it. The police look into it. Unfortunately, three days later, it's reported that it's not Lars. It's somebody else. And so the families basically, they're still, they're very active. They've been, we're active in giving interviews and speaking to local news in Bulgaria and other places. They're following up. It's, it's really sad. It's like super fucked up. Yeah. Um, this family is definitely holding on to hope though. And that's it. I mean, at the moment, all they have is the theories and people still talk about it on Reddit. And That is it's so just, confusing. It's bizarre. That is nuts. Yeah. That poor family. I know. It's I want to so give a, sh- a quick shout out to Kirk Peppy at Mel Magazine for a lot of the story. Thanks, Peppy. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of stories on it, but I did. I got a lot of um, – Kirk wrote a really big write-up on, on Mel Magazine that I'll, I'll put a link to. Because I got a lot of the information from this and and the YouTube video and that and it's it was kind of crazy like I got so deep into it that and is I was bananas. like following all the threads and the forums and yeah it's it's super interesting wow yeah so I don't know where he is that's crazy I wonder why we didn't I because I kind of remember hearing about that but I don't really remember because we were in Bulgaria two years later right two thousand yeah we were there August two thousand and sixteen and when was this. This was July 2014. Okay, so two years later. Yeah. I feel like I would have heard about that or I don't know. Yeah. That I, is freaking nuts. I know. Well, 2014, we were in Australia. Yeah. So, I don't know, maybe it didn't make it. I mean, I'm sure we heard about it. Yeah. I Well, I, as when I was researching the story, I glanced over that, but I didn't get any of the details. All I heard was um, some man runs out of an airport. That was oh. it. So there that's what made me think of that. Huh. So I don't have uh, any particular travel takeaway from this story apart from just be safe out there, guys. Don't get in fights, especially not about sports. That's so silly. Yeah. Like, just who cares? Don't get hit in the head. Yeah. So if you're listening to this story and uh, by any by any means you have any leads or if you've ever seen somebody who looks like Lars, you should get in contact with the family. Yeah, you never know if your tip is, could be the one. You never know. But thank goodness for the internet, you know, the collective power of people. So many crimes have been solved these days from just people online. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. There you go. That is bananas. Okay. All right. Ooh, that was quite a story. Yeah, that's why I was so like excited need... to tell you about it. Yeah, that was really good. That was such a good story. Mystery. Ooh. Mine is very different. Okay. That's all right. <laughs> but that's good. It's good to switch it up. Yeah. Are you okay. ready for this? You all ready for this? Dun, 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 dun. Okay, here we are. This is a completely different story. We're taking it all the way back to 1972. Old school. It's groovy, baby. Yeah. Okay, so it's December 29th, uh, 1972, and we are on an Eastern Airlines flight 401. Eastern Airlines? What's that? It's not around anymore, I don't think. It's just an old school, one of those old school airlines like Pan Am or Mm. whatever. So they're... 
it they I watched uh for research on this show, I watched a show called Mayday Air Emergency, which is like one of those reenactment shows. Okay, we know where this story's going now. And they show yeah, I know. I mean it's a flight. <laughs> um oh I I have a story, a title for my story. Oh, here we go. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. But I don't know if I want to tell it because it might give too much away. Well, see, that that is the skill in creating the name of a story. Well, I actually just took it from an article title. Okay, why don't you tell me the name of your story after it? Okay, that okay. sounds good. And then it's Deal. a work in progress. So I'm watching this show, and it's in the 70s, and the plane looks so nice. They're, I don't know if they're showing me just first class. I think it was just the whole plane. No, I think all the planes were dope back then. Oh, my God. So nice. The, the, um, air, the flight attendant is passing around Ferrero Rochers. And cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, champagne, glasses of champagne before they land. Oh, my God. That's because back in the day, flying, like, I don't think there were different classes back then because if you were flying, you were already rich. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so everything flights was, were probably really expensive. Everything was baller back then. Yeah. You had the little ashtray in the in thing you could smoke. Not that any of us smoke, and it would be disgusting to be on a flight where people smoked. But you could do but it people if could you wanted. smoke on a plane and just ash right in their chair handle. Yeah. They were passing around truffles and champagne. I bet you Take prob- me back. I bet you they're probably not even wearing seatbelts. Like- probably not. Yeah. Oh, my God. The, just take me back. Yeah. I missed my calling. Kicking it. And I bet you every man is in a suit and every yes. woman's dressed up. I know. People dress up and they wear hats. Yeah. And- everybody's dressed up like they're Ugh. going to su- like Sunday church. Yeah. I mean, it, taking a flight was probably a big deal back then. Prestigious. So. Yeah. I and mean, now people everybody- go in their freaking sweats. <laughs> me <laughs> i mean come on who's they take going their shoes off can you imagine going taking a 15 hour flight across the pacific in a suit oh god that would be so i'd torturous. rather look like a slob and be in my sweats sounds great sounds amazing okay okay moving on so it's 1972 it's december 29th disco baby and the flight is disco baby it's <laughs> just disco over the airwaves and the flight 401 is on a routine flight from jfk to miami nothing out of the ordinary here this is your captain speaking jfk is in new york if you don't know you ever heard of it new Never york heard of it. And they're going to Miami. So the flight departs at 9.20 p.m. with pilot Captain Bob Loft at the helm. He is That's probably a period where diversity wasn't as prevalent. And no, there probably there weren't all white dudes up all there. White all white males. All white dudes. <laughs> over 50. Um, over 50, probably. So Bob Loft was a 30-year flying veteran. Okay, so, so he's definitely over 50. He's definitely over 50. Um, other crew members include First Officer John Stockill and Second Officer Donald Luis Repo. Okay, all sound very white as well. Donald Luis Repo? Oh, oh mm. Repo, okay. Re- no. Rep- well, Repo. repo. I'm just giving it a Latin, Latin okay. flavor. <laughs> Who knows? Sounds like Luis, I don't know, sounds yeah. like Latino to me, but could be wrong. There were also 10 flight attendants and 163 passengers on board. So wow. this is a big ass. This is a jumbo jet. Okay. This is a big ass plane. It's a, one of the nicest planes on the market. So two hours into the flight, the plane is approaching Miami, which she, seems short to me. I didn't know that New York to Florida would be only two hours. Only two hours? Yeah. Two hours Apparently. into the flight it's approaching? Yes. Okay. So I mean, it's about, it's about two hours yeah. long. It's not that far. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really an East Coast girl. I'm a West Mm. Coast. I guess because flights in California is so long. Well, because the West Coast stretches longer. The East Coast kind of crunches up. It's crunched. It's it's a little Captain Crunch over there. So they are approaching Miami. They're making their descent. It's almost midnight. And I'm not going to pretend to be any sort of aviation expert. I don't know much about planes. I ain't no pilot. I do not. I'm not a flight engineer. None of the above. But I have flown a lot. So I'm going to. So basically, you're authority on the. I'm an authority on the aviation industry, actually. So I'm going to try to describe what happens next in the simplest terms. So they're not, in the not cockpit. for yourself, obviously, just for all the just list- for everybody, just for else. all the voyagers yes, out there listening. Because you won't know all the complicated terms yeah, that Christine I know. Christine could bore you with all the technical knowledge that uh, she has. I of mean, a brain, I could go on and but on. She knows but that you voyagers just wouldn't get it, so she'll break it down. It. Yeah, and okay. you know how I feel about flight attendants <laughs> oh, and those in that industry. Those people. <laughs> those people. 
JK, that's just a reference to an earlier episode. Was that from our first episode? I think that was the first episode. And I don't know if you're joking anymore. I I actually don't know myself. Who knows? I think Christina's got a thing for airline crew. I hope I don't get on a plane and they recognize my voice from the podcast and they're like, hey, fuck you. Get off the plane. (laughs) Can I have an extra pack of peanuts? Go fuck yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Except on Delta where they give you every snack imaginable and you can they they're like do you want peanuts pretzels uh a bar anything and you're like yes can i get all a of the above shake, yeah <laughs> i'll have a green celery juice <laughs> anyway so i'm going to explain what happens next in the simplest terms the all the men are in the cockpit <laughs> and they notice and and a construction worker shows up <laughs> hey boys <laughs> um that's not what happens they notice that the light showing that the nose gear is locked hasn't lit up so basically the nose gear as i can deduce is like the wheel that goes down in the front to land do you know what i mean and mm-hmm. that needs to be locked because otherwise you're kind of screwed so the light that signifies that the nose gear is locked hasn't lit up so they're like what the hell like is it the light is it the nose gear like what the fuck's going on so they this guy repo does a test it's called the christmas tree test and it basically lights all the lights in the cockpit to see if the bulbs are working it also starts singing christmas carols (laughs) not really (laughs) i just thought that was funny cockpit bells (laughs) exactly so the nose gear light fails the test so they're thinking that it's probably burnt out air traffic control is telling them to just circle until they figure it out they're basically like get the fuck away from our airport until you've got this issue resolved they're flying over the everglades at this point which is like swamp country you know the Mm -hmm. crocodiles and all that shit so we get lost so they send Repo down to what they call the hellhole, oh, <laughs> which is the little room under the plane where you can see if the nose wheel is he down. He does all the bitch work, this guy. He does the bitch work. The pilot says, just get down there and check if this freaking wheel's down because we got to land. In the meantime, they've put the plane on autopilot. So they're cruising. staying at a cruising altitude of 2,000 feet while pretty much all the men in the cockpit are trying to figure this light situation the feet's pretty low yeah well they're pretty close yeah yeah is it yeah, yeah. yes you fly true. at forty thousand feet so oh well, do 30, you huh? well between like 36 and 38 or something wowie that's pretty high they are so repos down there he can't see out if the light's on because or if the thing is down because it's pitch black Basically, the captain forgot to turn on the lights to illuminate the landing gear. There's a real light issue going on. Oh, my God. This pilot is... This captain? Captain pilot? Pilot captain? He's driving me nuts in this story. I'm just like, oh, my God, dude. Seriously. So, he... Repo's like, I can't see. You didn't turn the light on. And at the same time, nobody notices that they're dropping in altitude. It's just going down, down, down. And... Even though they put in autopilot, they're going down, down, down. Everybody's just freaking like looking at this light and they're taking the light out, putting it back in, jiggling the bulb. It's just like everybody's just focused on this light. At the same time, the air traffic control is like, "Uh, are you guys really at like 900 feet? Because that seems very low. And the captain and the first mate, first mate, mate, are like, oh shit, we're basically crashing. (laughs) And they crash into the swamp. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. They crash. And then does everyone die? Uh, Not everyone dies. Wow. So I'll I'll get to that. Okay, okay. So somebody... You're not going to spoil the story like I did. So they cry. Yeah, exactly. Everybody dies. (laughs) No. So they... And they were never heard from again. No. The end. The end. Hope you... Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. They crash into the swamp. At the same time, someone, a fisherman is out there in one of those like motorized boat things that they have to like look at crocodiles or whatever. Uh, yeah, you know? the like the hovercraft type thing. Yeah, yeah they're yeah, like yeah. hovercraft basically. And he jets out there and he get, actually gets to the crash in about 15 minutes. Well, that's pretty convenient. Right? So he gets there. There's a bunch of jet flu- fuel that has leaked into the swamp. Ooh. So there's like jet fuel everywhere. The guy, the fisherman Which is gets out. combustible. Yes. So they're like, nobody light a match because this shit will go People up. are still Which smoking. I don't know how there wasn't fire from the crash. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It was 
so gnarly. So there's a bunch of jet fuel. It's like burning people's legs. The fisherman gets out um, and he actually saves a bunch of, he saves like dozens of lives. So thank goodness this guy was here. But the survivors are in the swamp and they're, you know, trying to orient themselves. It's like they've just been in this massive jumbo jet crash. And they probably wouldn't have known they were going down that fast either. Probably not. Yeah. But they are in the swamp and they can start hearing the alligators and the snakes. And they're like, oh shit, like we got to get out of here. Can you imagine that? If if you're in a plane crash and you're like, like we're going down and then you crash and you're like, oh my fucking God, I survived a plane crash. And then you get swallowed by a snake. Yeah, I know. Oh my God. That would be so frustrating. You'd be so devastated. It's like, how did he die? Oh, the plane crash. Oh, well, actually, he uh, survived and he was in the swamp water for 15 hours. And then he was swallowed by an alligator. Yeah, or a giant snake, a giant an anaconda. 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 But it, it's interesting because it's kind of this like duality. Like they crash in the swamp, which was really helpful because it absorbed a lot of the impact of the mm. crash. And that's why so many people were able to survive. To be eaten by alligators. <laughs> and, yeah. And the mud from the swamp helped I don't know, not tourniquet, but it stopped the bleeding for a lot of people's wounds. So that mm. also helped people from not bleeding out. Mm. And but, it also made them conveniently stuck in place so the alligators could just come and pick them off one by one. I mean, I don't know if anybody actually died from the alligators, no. but it was definitely a concern. Yes. But there was some sort of like flesh-eating bacteria mm. in the swamp that w- became problematic later for the survivors. Okay. So it was like t- landing in the swamp was just a crazy situation. So they're in the swamp. No one's coming to rescue them. They're freaking out. So to rally their spirits, one person starts singing Christmas carols. And then they all start singing Christmas carols together. Which is interesting. I feel like this is a recurring theme. Like in the my yacht or my fairy story for oh, the yeah. in Greece, she starts singing rock the boat don't rock the boat baby two episodes ago episode five yeah i don't know if i told that in that story i don't think you i don't did. think i did but this is a amendment she one of the survivors starts singing rock the boat which is an interesting song choice and then in my last story with the guy who was hiking through the wilderness he was singing a song as well so i just think that's kind of well interesting. i think it's just you know when you're in a because a lot of our stories are people in terrible situations when they're traveling. And what do you do to try and keep your mind off a situation? You just try to pretend it's not happening with a cheerful song. What song would you sing? Um, uh, 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 Hopefully alive. I'm staying alive. Staying alive. <laughs> That's a good trying one. to stay alive. That's a good one. Nice. Good choice. <laughs> so less than half an hour after the crash, the Coast Guard arrives. It's one dude. He comes. Uh, he can't land in the swamp, so he lands like a little bit away. The fisherman guy brings him over, and they start pulling people out. Eventually, more rescuers come, and they start, you know, saving people. So I've heard mixed numbers about how many survived the crash. I've heard it was seventy-five. Some somewhere else says seventy-seven. Um, I've heard that 96 passengers were killed. Oof. So it was the first ever jumbo jet to crash in the world. Wow. And at the time, it was the largest aviation disaster in U.S. history. But then seven years later, there was an American Airlines flight that crashed um, and that killed 258 passengers. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Just a little side so, note. So they, after the flight, they tried to figure out what went wrong. They're testing all these parts, and they find out there's actually a lot of parts that they rec- can recover from the plane that are intact. So they actually put those into other planes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so That this sounds is, like the smart thing to do. Right? I don't know if I'd want that. They actually test the autopilot because, remember, the plane was on autopilot. Yes. So it shouldn't have dropped. So they test the autopilot by putting it on another plane and doing the same route. Oh, fantastic. And it, it works on that plane. So they're trying to figure out what the hell happened. They deduce that the pilot, when he was leaning over to uh, do the light, fix the light bulb, he knocked the yoke which is the steering wheel, basically, and kicked it out of autopilot. That's what they think happened. So they think that he thought he was in autopilot, but he wasn't. Well, he put it, I mean, it was an autopilot, but they think he knocked it out of autopilot by reaching over to fix the light and hitting the steering wheel. Okay. 
Oh my God, can you imagine? That's so annoying. <laughs> so what does this have to do with Halloween? Well, I was actually going to ask you that. I was like, make a mental note to ask Christine, what has this got to do with Halloween? Because you built it up. Okay, so I built it up. Remember how I said that parts of the so, plane were used for other planes? Yes. When I just said that 10 seconds ago? You mean the Frankenstein of planes? Yes, exactly. So in 1976, which is four years after the flight, a man named John G. Fuller writes a book called The Ghost of Flight 401. Apparently, apparently, apparently. there are all these paranormal events that have happened aboard other Eastern Airline flights that have the salvaged parts from Ooh. Flight 401. So here are some of the paranormal experiences. Oh, I forgot to say that the captain... Um, the captain died and Repo, the first mate, the whatever the hell you call, call him, the guy who was in the hellhole, he also died. Fucking earth, he died. Yeah. So those two men passed away in the flight or in the hospital afterwards. But the other captain didn't. The other captain. Well, I probably didn't. I'm not Doesn't sure. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So there's Captain Loft and Repo, uh, and they're the ones who have appeared in as apparitions in these other flights. And wow. some people think that they're, they were sent there or they chose to be there as ghosts to watch over the passengers and the crew of other flights. To make sure that somebody doesn't knock it out of older pilot. Exactly. So one time a female passenger got the attendant of a flight got the attention of a flight attendant to state her concern that the quiet, unresponsive man in the Eastern Airlines uniform sitting next to her looked a little pale. <laughs> so this woman is a is a passenger and there's a guy sitting next to her in an Eastern Airlines uniform and he's like quiet, he's not responding to her, he's kind of freaky. So she gets the attention of a flight attendant and they're looking at this man and he disappears fully in front of their very eyes. Later, freaky. the woman was shown a sheet of photos of flight engineers and she identifies the man as Repo. Wow. Mm-hmm. On another flight, a flight attendant sees Repo's face looking at her from an oven in the galley, which apparently was the same oven from the 401 flight. She grabs two colleagues, one of whom had been friends with Repo, this was just a few years later, and he recognized the ghost instantly. And they all heard Repo say, watch out for the fire on this plane. So the plane later had serious, that plane later had serious engine trouble and its last leg of the flight was canceled. When a ferry crew took off to fly the plane home for repairs, one of the remaining engines flamed out and they had to make an emergency landing. Wow. So they think that basically Repo saved them because that warning helped. Well, they shouldn't have flew the, flew the plane then. Yeah, I know. Well, I guess they had to fly somewhere to take repairs. Wow. I'm not sure. I don't know much about that. Uh, there's a lot more alleged sightings. Uh, people said they see pilots, flight flight attendants say they saw Repo, who gave them maintenance notes. Captain Bob Loft has also been seen. I don't think anybody wants to take any advice from him because he, yeah. I don't know if he's the best captain, Listen, pilot. Shut up, Bob. So the, C, the CEO of Eastern Airlines basically called the um, flight, the Ghost Flight 401 book, Garbage. He wanted to sue for libel, but he didn't want to give more publicity to the book. He says that there was never any salvaged parts, but then other uh, sources say that apparently the airlines quietly pulled all the parts of for Flight 401 from the planes that had the salvaged part. Wow. Yes. That is, seems so dodgy that you would reuse... I mean, if there if there are parts that aren't like a mechanical, like part of flying the plane, like the oven, and they're perfectly intact, yeah, why not? There was some kind of creepy though. There was super creepy. Apparently, there was some sort of shortage of parts, and that's why they needed to use them or something. I mean, I don't think they were making a big publicity about these. We're going to use all these parts for recycling. Reduce, reuse, recycle. <laughs> exactly. I, I think, don't think I think the, the environmental hippies were probably like, eh, it's all right, guys. You yeah. Can, you can scrap that plane. Yeah. Well, we don't really need that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I want to fly on a, on a wing that's been in a swamp where 100 people have been killed. Right. Exactly. So, and a fun fact, apparently this uh, is one of Dan Aykroyd's favorite ghost stories. Oh. What's well, pretty <laughs> interesting. Trivia. Yeah. So that is the ghost crew of Flight 401. Spooky. 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 Personally, I don't believe in ghosts. 
So oh, I don't know, man. There's so many supernatural things that have been reported. People see what they want to see. Yeah. And believe in what they want to believe. I don't know if I believe in all this, but I do believe that there is some supernatural paranormal mm. shit that goes down. Well, on that note. On that note. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. And be safe out there. Yeah. And if you're not, make sure you tell us about it. Yeah. Thanks for checking in for another episode, guys. We are your co-captains, Jules and Christine. Have a happy day. Weather here is fine. (laughs) Why do pilots always speak in the same voice? I think they just get used to it. It's a cruising altitude of 15. Oh, my God. I mean, you can never understand what they're saying. They're just mumbling. They're literally just mumbling. I don't know if they're actually saying words or they're just like, a minute, a minute, a minute, Or maybe they're just fucking with us. They're like, hey, hey, Bob, check this out. I'm just going to fucking mumble into the thing and see what it's like. 14 degrees. Cruising altitude. Extra pack of peanuts. Uh, and everyone, yeah. everyone goes, oh, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, Everybody's cool. like, wait, extra pack of peanuts? Yeah, where'd I get those peanuts? Yeah. Okay, guys, fantastic episode again. It is, we thought it was going to be short, but the, the story's just ran into it. We've clocked over an hour, so we've got to get oh, out really? of here. We thank you for listening to the Not So Bon Voyage podcast. Thank you. Your rates and reviews and subscribes keep us going. Yes, please. And also your stories. But we've we've got stories coming out of our butts right now yes we do but we want stories we want your stories we want your travel mishaps we still are collecting travel stories from our voyages our fans our friends so make sure you hit us up at not so bon voyage on instagram and twitter use the hashtag not so bon voyage to join in the conversation or you can email us check out the website thank you very much if you're not stay safe on the road this is captain peak and stay safe on the road and if you're not make sure you tell us about it Okay. Bye, Bye, bitches. bitches.